We're in our second week of Generous, and our title today is Pigs or People? Pigs or People? As weird as that title is, I'm going to make you wait to find out what it means. Uh, I want to jump right into a little scripture right here at the beginning in Philemon 6. This is Paul talking to his friend, and he says, I'm praying that you would put into action. Everybody say action. The generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Philemon got saved, but Philemon, like a lot of wealthy men in that time period, did things that would not be acceptable in our culture today. They were slave owners. He was. And one of his slaves escaped, Onesimus, he escaped. And Paul took him in and, and, and Onesimus got saved. And so Paul says, I want you to go back to your previous master. And he tells Philemon, he said, look, I know this is countercultural. I know this doesn't make any sense. But I don't want you to treat him like you would have before you knew Christ. I want you to receive him back not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. And I want you to do that because your generosity doesn't come from the world. It comes from your faith. It's not a natural faith. It's a a generosity. It's a supernatural generosity. And it grows as you learn more and more about Jesus and as you draw closer and closer to him. As we talked about last week, generosity is what separated the early church from everybody else. In that culture, you looked out for number one. It was survival of the fittest. It was a very difficult time period to live and so It was pretty much you took care of you and yours and that's it. Nobody looked out for anybody else. So it was Christians, true believers were very obvious because they were reaching out and not just in. They were taking care of orphans off the street. They were taking care of widows. And nobody else was doing that. Oh, people, it wasn't what they believed, folks. You got to hear me. Everybody believed something in that culture. Very religious culture. Everybody believed in something. So what they believed, the fact that they believed in Jesus, that's not what separated them. It's how they lived their life. They were generous people because Jesus had taught them and showed them how to be generous and nobody else was doing that. That's what separated them. Listen, and I think that's what should separate us. As well. See, as we grow closer to Jesus, as our walk becomes closer to Christ, the byproduct of that, come on, should be generosity. It should just happen. It becomes the fruit of our spiritual growth. Come on, does anybody want to get closer to Christ? Does anybody want to grow in your faith? One of the fruits of that will be generosity. The closer we get to Jesus, the the evidence of that, one of those things is 
being generous. Now, see, that's what Francis Chan in that video was talking about. He's saying the world, a lot of the world thinks the church is it's a laughingstock. They don't take us seriously because we don't live out our faith. We've got all the bells and whistles. Come on. We've got the nicest stuff. We, we can compete with anybody. And listen, listen, that may get people in the door, but it will not keep them. Only a generosity that arises out of our faith towards those people will make a lasting impact in their life. Last week we talked about generosity being a lifestyle not an event. That we don't give just because we, 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 our emotions are played with. If we do that, if we only give when we feel like it emotionally, we're going to end up giving to the wrong things at the wrong time. We're going to end up enabling people. Because writing a check is not always the answer. Throwing money at something is not always a good thing. And so if we just go with our emotions, we're going to end up giving to the wrong things. We've got to trust God. We've got to live generosity as a lifestyle. And then we'll know and the Holy Spirit will guide us in those decisions and what we should do. It becomes who we are and it governs our behavior. Listen, listen, just like I talked about last week, whether we're good at it or not. I I was very open and honest last week that this was not my top gift, giving was not how I was wired. But you can't use that as an excuse. We've got to improve in those areas that we are weak. And generosity is one in my life, and it probably is for a lot of you as well. Now listen, one of the most important things that I said last week, in my opinion, was that every person on the planet can be generous. Every person on the planet can be blessed. Whether they're rich, whether they're poor, doesn't matter what's in their bank account, no matter where they live, what culture they live in. Every single person on the planet, whether they're five years old, 50, or 100, it doesn't matter. Everyone can be generous and everyone can be blessed because blessings are not measured in the amount that we have but in our willingness to give what we have, what's been put in our hand. See, the blessing is not what we receive. Now, that's the lie of our culture. That's how we've been programmed since we were this high. The blessing is not in receiving. The blessing is giving our little meager gift and putting it into the hands of Jesus and watching him bless it and watching him multiply it to meet a need in somebody else's life. That's the blessing. That's the blessing. Everything else is icing on the cake. That's pretty good. If you weren't here last Sunday, and many of you were not, you were coming home from the beach. I see the tans. I'm jealous. It's a little bit. But 
you can go to newlifecanton.com and see that one. And I think I really, really encourage you to do that because it ties in with today. Now, today, I want to share two Bible stories that each deal with generosity in, from two different perspectives. And this is where we get our title, Pigs or People. Okay, Pigs or People. We're going to talk about the pigs first. <laughs> Any pigs out now? Let me set up the story. Once again, this is the height of Jesus' ministry where he could do no wrong. People were following him in droves. Thousands of people were following Jesus everywhere he went. He literally sometimes just had to get in a boat to get away. And that's what he did this time. He and his disciples got in a boat and headed across the Sea of Galilee. And a storm blew up. A terrible storm. Now, these guys were professional fishermen, so it would have taken a lot to scare them. But evidently, this was bad because water was coming in the boat. They were afraid they were going down. They were afraid they were going to die. And Jesus is famously what? Asleep in the bow. So they run up and they're like, oh, wake up. Anybody ever prayed that way? Lord, wake up. Are you there? That's what they were doing. And I can just see Jesus. He doesn't hurry. Now remember, lightning's cracking. Rain's pouring. Wind is blowing. Rocking the boat. Water's coming in. I can just see Jesus. Anybody feel like that? <laughs> like, Jesus. <laughs> and he's stretching. He's like, yeah, I got it. And so he speaks to the wind. He speaks to the waves. He speaks to the lightning and to the thunder. And everything stops. And it's peaceful. And once again, his disciples are amazed. Because not only can he heal the sick, deliver people, but he can speak to nature as well. And why? Because he was God in the flesh. And so everything's calm, and this has just happened, and they've gone through this harrowing experience. And they get to the other side of the lake in the region of the Gadarenes, and basically they park their boat in a cemetery. Good stuff. And they no more than get out of the boat, and they find themselves on the set of The Walking Dead. They get out and two crazy demon-possessed men charge down the hill. Now, see, this is even worse than The Walking Dead. I've seen a couple episodes of Walking Dead, and that was enough for me. But come on, I'm not scared of this. My grandmother could have outrun These guys were charging down the hill, and they were well-known in the area. Nobody went in this area because they would attack people. They would kill people. They were violent, and they weren't slow like the walking dead. They were running. And so the disciples start up the hill and see these guys coming, and they, I'm sure they turn tail and like running back to the boat. But Jesus stands still. And as soon as those men, those demon-possessed men, see who it was, they saw, they caught... They hit the ground because they knew who it was. And then they started begging. They knew what was coming. They started begging, Lord, 
please don't cast us into the abyss. Let us go into that herd of pigs. And so he gives them permission and they go into that herd of pigs. And now, instead of the men being crazy, the herd of pigs are crazy. And they run down the hill, over a cliff, into the water and drown. So that's where we pick up the story. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 33, it says, they, now time out, they here is not the disciples, not the crazy men. They are the pig farmers. See, the problem is the pigs were not wild pigs. The pigs belonged to somebody. The pigs were somebody's livelihood. And so they, the pig farmers, told everyone back in town what had happened to the madmen and the pigs. Those who heard about it were angry about the drowned pigs. Now, time out, look up here. Forget about the men who had just been delivered. Everybody in town knew about these guys. Forget about their whole landscape of life being changed forever. Forget about the families that were going to be restored because these men had been set free. Forget about the fact that, hey, we can walk through that area now without taking our lives into our own hands. Forget about all of that. All they were worried about were the pigs. So we can learn this, first of all, from the Gadarenes. Look at the board. Greed will push away everything good. In our lives. Greed will push away everything good in our lives. It will push away our loved ones. Our friends. It will push away opportunities for you. It will push away blessings for you. And yes, it will even push away Jesus. Oh, by the way, we didn't finish the verse. It said a mob formed. Listen. A mob formed after these guys told him and said they demanded that Jesus get out and not come back. Jesus, to get out and not come back. Now, you say, whoa, 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 Alan, that's a little bit offensive because I'm not greedy. Now, I might need to work on my generosity, but I'm not greedy. Okay, let's take a look at the definition <laughs> Of greed. A desire to have more than you need. A desire to have more than you need. Let me just also remind us what we need food, water, clothing, and shelter. Let me take a poll real quick. Does anybody want more than that? Okay, half of you are lying and need to come to the altar right now. Let me ask it one more time. How many want more than that? I do too. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. We all have to wrestle this greed thing. We all have to deal with greed because of the culture that we live in. We all have to deal with greed now, it's not wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong to have nice things. Those are blessings from God. They're at the bottom of the tier. But they are blessings from God. It's not wrong to have nice things, but it's wrong for nice things to have us. And when our focus is on that and acquiring more and getting more, it soon 
begins to overwhelm and push out everything else in our life. That's the danger of greed. And that's what happened here. Listen, these people, these Gadarenes, chose economic security over the very presence of Jesus. They chose pigs over people. They chose pigs over the changed lives that could have happened in their community. They knew who Jesus was. He was famous. They knew who he was. They knew about the miracles. They knew about all those things. He had just performed a miracle. They knew about all of it, but they still wanted him gone. Why? Why would they do that? Same reason we do. They had put other things on the top shelf of their life. They had put other things at the top. It's called idolatry. They had allowed greed to fester in their hearts until it overwhelmed everything else. So listen, this is good, listen. So Jesus shows up, holy, righteous, miracle worker, gets in their presence, and he is a reminder, an obvious reminder of how depraved they had become. He was a reminder of how sinful they had become. And instead of falling on their face and repenting, they simply wanted him gone. And you know the next verse says? He got in his boat and left. That is a dangerous place to live. When the Holy Spirit speaks something to your heart, when the Holy Spirit asks you to adjust something in your life, to do something different in your life, and you continue to push him away, push him away, push him away, eventually he's going to get back in the boat and leave. Paul says, your conscience will become seared like a hot iron and you will soon not even be able to sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Look at the board. Jesus will not minister where he is not welcome. Jesus will not minister where he is not welcome. That goes for me. That goes for you and your family, and that goes for our church. Do you know there are churches that have pushed back on the Holy Spirit so long what he was trying to do in that church, what he was trying to do in them, they kept saying no to change, no to change, no, 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 until finally Jesus left the building and they didn't even know it. And they just, they never missed a beat, Adrian. The church kept right on going. But instead of a church, it was a country club. And people came and gave their membership. But Jesus wasn't operating. Jesus is not there. The Gadarenes chose pigs over people. God, help us to never do the same. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and clap your hands. Proverbs 28, 25 says, The greedy stir up conflict, 
but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. A greedy person will never truly prosper because a greedy person, you, listen, you can't prosper if your spirit is dead. Yes, you can, you can accumulate a lot of wealth. Come on, somebody. You can gather more stuff. You can, you can acquire beautiful things, but eventually your heart will be empty and you will become a miserable person. Listen to this quote by Jim Carrey, the actor. He says, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and have everything they ever dreamed of so they would know that's not the answer. At the height of his career, you know, back in the uh, Ace Ventura days, he was the man. He was the top guy. He was making more than anyone else in Hollywood, $20 million a movie. He had it all. He was rich, famous, He was the guy in demand for everything. And what he's saying here, you got to hear this. He's like, I I just wish that these people who their whole life and their drive is for a better job and for more money and for more things and for more uh, prominence and power and all of this. I wish they could just get it. I wish they could just get it so they could realize it's not the answer. It's not the answer. What is the answer? I love the movies. I don't know anybody else. I'm, I'm sure you do. I love the, the movies with the special forces. I, just, I think that's so cool. You, 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 know, you have the movie and the plot. The special forces goes behind enemy lines, and then they get pinned down. They get surrounded by the enemy. There's, there's no sneaking around. There's no getting out. What do they say? They say, we had to shoot our way out. We couldn't sneak over a wall. We couldn't turn around and go the other way. The only way out was to fight. The only way out was to shoot our way out. Look on the board. Look on the board. It says, when greed, when greed traps us, when greed has us pinned down, when greed surrounds us, sometimes the only escape is to not shoot our way out, but is to give our way out. I wish y'all could see you from over here. It's like, oh. Oh. It's like, I'm not sure. I, you know, I mean, it sounds good, but whew. When, when, when this stuff surrounds us, sometimes the only way out is to do the opposite. <laughs> Generosity is the antidote to greed. Y'all, this is a matter of the heart. Generosity is a matter of the heart. And I told you last week that I struggled with this, and and God gave me a promise. He said, Alan, I've gifted you in other ways, but if you will teach this faithfully, I'll work on you at the same time. I don't know about you, but I need a heart transplant. Not just surgery. (laughs) I need a transplant. I've made up my mind. You hear me? I'm going to give my way out of greed. I'm going to give my way out of greed. 
Let's go on to our next story. It's in Mark 12, 41 through 44. Sitting from across from the offering box, he, Jesus, is doing this, was observing how the crowd tossed money in for the collection. It wasn't taken up like we do here. They didn't pass it around. It was just a big box, and they walked by it, and they threw it in. So Jesus is sitting there watching this, okay? Many of the rich people were making large contributions. And then one poor widow woman came up and put in two small coins, a measly two cents. So you get this in your mind? Okay, so Jesus sees this, and he's like, ooh, 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 teaching moment. So he calls the disciples over, and he says, the truth is, this poor widow gave, what, more to the collection than all the others put together. Now, everybody look up here. I'm like, uh, the disciples are like, "Um, Lord, we know you are awesome, you are amazing, but you are really bad at math because we just watched what you did. We watched thousands of dollars going into that collection plate, and we watched that widow put in two pennies. How in the world did she give more than they did? Listen to what he says. All the others gave what they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave it all. You see, these guys that were rich, they were putting it in, but they had so much, they were never going to miss it. They were going to go about their lives. They were going to hit Starbucks on the way home. It wasn't going to affect them at all. But she gave everything she had. Now, you know I love C.S. Lewis. I've got another quote from him about this, and it will rock your world. It did mine. He says, I do not think one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule, I love that, is to give more than we can spare. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, uh uh-oh, I should say they are too small. That got all over my toes, folks. Listen, listen, listen. I promise you, there is nobody in this room who likes to be inconvenienced any less than me. You know, we were talking about gifts and all that last week. My top gift is administration and teaching. Administration being right there at the top. Orderly, I want a routine. I want to know what's going to happen. I want to know my day. If, if my day, my routine out of my day gets messed up, my inner two-year-old comes out. I'm working on it. You're not perfect either. It's how I'm wired. I don't want to be pinched. I don't want to be inconvenienced. I want to still be able to to go to the restaurant I want to go to. I still want to be able to, to live in the house that I want to. I still want to be able to take a vacation when I want to. I don't want to have to give anything up. I'm going to give, but I don't want it to inconvenience me. And then I think about what Jesus gave. And then I think about what he did. 
I think about what he gave so that I could have eternal life. I think about what he gave so that I could have peace and joy and abundant life on earth. I think about the fact that he left the glory of heaven to come to this place to live and to die for me. And suddenly, that is not so offensive anymore. In my closing, I want to talk about something very, very important. Grammar. Amen. <laughs> the last group laughed right away. It was like, y'all are like, oh, he's lost it now. Grammar. Come on, kids. It's important. A complete sentence must have a subject, a noun, and an action, the verb. Let me, I came prepared today. Let me give you some great examples of this, okay, so we stay on the right track. You ready? Pastor Allen vacuumed the floor. I got another one. Pastor Allen washed the dishes. No, there are no pictures. Kathy, Kathy, shh, shh. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching. Got one more. Pastor Allen folded the laundry. And then Pastor Allen lied about his chores. Y'all knew that was coming, dude. So, so I put that in there because, you know, this is a heavy subject. We've got to laugh a little bit, right? Okay. But who's the subject, the subject of the Bible? God, Jesus. Some would say us. You know, that, I don't know that that's necessarily wrong, but I go back to Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God. So what is the primary action demonstrated throughout the Bible? Again, our knee-jerk reaction is love. And I don't think we would be wrong. I can't say that is wrong. But if we look at John 3.16, it says, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. Listen to this great quote by Amy Carmichael. She says, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You can give to something, an organization or a person, without really having a relationship with them. Again, you give that emotional thing. You give something to them. There's a need arises, but there's really no connection there. There's no love there. But you cannot love someone without giving. Generosity will always be attached to love. You cannot, give, you cannot love your spouse without giving to them. You cannot love your children without giving to them. To them. You cannot love your friends without being generous to them. You cannot love this church without giving to the church. You cannot love Jesus without giving. They are together. They are always, love is always coupled with generosity. We are here today because God gave his son. We are here today because Jesus gave his life. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you're a Christian today because you gave your life to Jesus. 
We are enjoying this service today because people gave. People gave their time. This worship team got here before anybody else today, and the media team and the sound team, they got here before anyone, and they were giving their time and their talent to lead us in worship. Come on, yeah, amen. They gave their time, their talent, their resources. What God, they were putting into the hands of Jesus what he gave them. The parking lot team got here early to set up and to get you, yeah, the front door team greeted you. The hospitality team got your cup of coffee. Come on, it's a team. We are here today because people gave. The lights are on because people gave their tithes and offerings. Look at the board. Without the action, remember that's what we're talking about, the action of giving, the Bible's message of love is meaningless. Because you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. If we truly believe it's more blessed to give than to receive, if we believe that our resources, listen, if we believe that our resources really belong to God, I'm not talking about 10%, I'm talking about 100%. Everything that we have, everything, our children, our home, our jobs, our money, everything that we have, our gifts, our talents, they all belong to him. If we truly do, then it's time that we put our faith into action. James said that, hey, faith without works is dead. I don't want a dead faith. I don't want a dead generosity. God has called me to be generous and whether it's comfortable or not, whether I want to or not, I'm going to step out by faith and I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to operate in generosity because God has called me to do that. How many of you heard the verse give and it will be given to you, shaken, pressed down? How many heard that? That's Luke 6.38, and it's used all the time in these type of messages. But did you know that without verse 37, it's out of context? And you've heard verse 37 used by itself as well. But it's more powerful when we put them together as it was supposed to be. Listen to them together. Judge not, and you will not be judged Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. And then it goes right into, there's no, it's a, in, my, in my Bible, it's a semicolon. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure, the level that you use or that you give, it will be measured back to you. Now, Jesus is not talking about the amount that you have to give. God, we miss this. The measure is in your generous spirit, your attitude. That's why the widow woman could give more. Listen, that's why she could give more than those rich guys because her measure, her generous spirit measured more than theirs even though she gave two pennies and they gave thousands of dollars. When we put these together in context, we realize that money is not the focus. It's the, it's the principle of generosity. Here's what I mean. If we are generous like he's called us to be, we will judge not. If we are generous, 
we will condemn not. If we are generous, we will forgive people who do not deserve to be forgiven. I'm going to say that one again because that one will free you up right there. That one will set you free. I need to say it one more time. Generous people will forgive people who do not deserve to be forgiven. And when you do, it will set you free. And then generous people also give. And if we are generous, those things will be given back to us. I don't want to be judged, do you? I don't want to be condemned, do you? I want to receive mercy and grace. When I need it, I need to be forgiven. Anybody else? I need somebody to be generous to me. The big idea today is another quote. I had a lot of them. It's Randy Alcorn. He says, giving affirms Christ's lordship. It dethrones me, and it exalts him. Look, look, look. Being generous confirms that Jesus is the Lord of my life. It takes me off the throne of my heart and makes sure that Jesus is ruling in my heart. In context of today's message, let me tell you what it means. Giving will help safeguard us from ever choosing pigs over people. Now, I told you that generosity is something that I'm I'm working on and that God's promised he's going to help me with and I'm going to do. But I have my moments. Can I share one of them? Okay. No? No? And I'm not sharing it in a bragging way. I'm sharing because it's, it's giving is powerful. Generosity is powerful. About eight years ago, I was coaching my oldest daughter's fifth grade co-ed basketball team. And there was a little boy on there. They're fifth graders at the time. And Dustin was ADHD. I mean, he was wild. Dustin, if you're watching this today, I love you, brother. He's 19 now. Most of the coaches didn't really, you know, there was a little draft. You know, they do the little draft, and they put the teams together. They were all skipping over him, you know. He wasn't a bad player. He was just hard to handle. Over time, I'm real laid back, so he didn't bother me. I was like, just let him run. Just let him run. We're all in the basketball court for crying out loud. We're not in a classroom. Let him run. I, I, I did fine with him. We developed a relationship. He began doing things with us as a family. We would we'd go out to eat, and he, he come from a hard, kind of a whole, rough home life. And so we would, we would do things, go out to eat. He began coming to church with us. And, man, he fell in love with the music. He fell in love, and I was the music guy at the time, so he fell in love with the music and with the guitar. And so I began showing him chords on the guitar. He began learning. And my daughter, Ashley, was also learning guitar. And so I had already planned on buying her a guitar for Christmas. I already had it. He didn't know that. So I called him up. I said, Dustin, how would you like to go and help me pick out Ashley's guitar for Christmas? 
I just want you, you've got a young eye, I want you to go with me and you pick it out because I know you'll like, she'll like what you pick out because you're the same age. He said, yeah, that's cool, awesome. So we went and we went all over Maribel, Tennessee, Maribel, you know, you know, you're from Maribel, you say Maribel, not Maryville. And then Maribel, that's right. So we went all over these places and Maribel couldn't find anything that he was satisfied. He is the one now making this choice all along for Ashley. He's like, ah, this one's okay, but... So we ended up going to Knoxville to Guitar Center to a new, not, not the old used stuff, the new stuff. And he started playing them and he, then he found this guitar and he was like, oh, oh, this is it. She will love this guitar. I said, all right, let's go to the front. Let's get it. So we rode back where he lived with his dad in a single wide trailer. Dropped him off. He thanked me for the day. We had lunch and had some time together. He thanked me for that. And he got out, started heading back to the trailer. I said, hold up. You forgot something. He said, what? I said, you forgot your guitar. I will never forget the look on his face. I will never forget the hug that he gave me. He learned how to play that guitar. He still has that guitar. He still plays that guitar. We still talk on Facebook. Look on the board. If generosity is so powerful, and we know that it is, why don't we use it more? Why don't we use it more? 